Welcome to Monster Dear Monster, a multimedia monster podcast. I'm your host for this episode, Cameron, and I'm joined, as always, by my two illustrious co-hosts, Dave and Leonard. Dave, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, all things considered. I guess it's this, is it, it's December, the spooky month now. We, let's get back to Christmas ghost stories. I think that that would be a great thing. I'd be into it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Leonard, how about you? I'm doing fine, Cameron. I just woke up, but, you know, but I'll, I'll live. <laughs> Fair enough. Another day, <laughs> another podcast. <laughs> yes, my All day right. is filled with podcasts. Podcasts that people never mm. hear. I just record them and immediately delete them. It's like into the void it's, with you. It's like the, it's the sand of... uh, mandalas. Mm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's a form of performance art. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> well, this episode we will be once again delving into the excellent Haunting of Bly Manor. Um, and we will, in this, uh, this time around, we'll be covering episodes three and four. Episode three being The Two Faces Part One, and episode four being The Way It Came. Because we're going non-linear with the episode titles, I guess. Uh, <laughs> um, if you haven't listened to our previous uh, episode on Bly Manor, if you haven't watched the show, do both of those things. It's very good. You won't regret it. Uh, that said, let's jump right in to The Two Faces Part 1. So... This one is a little more of a flashbacky historical get the get the groundwork laid for future plot stuff episode uh that is focusing a lot on the former uh au pair at Blind Manor Rebecca Jessel um oh sorry stretch god <laughs> thought I stretched properly apparently not uh, cramp my back while I'm recording. Perfect way to do it. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, this episode focuses on uh, Rebecca Jessel and uh, a character who we have seen but have not heard named before, uh, which is Peter Quint, um, a roguishly handsome, uh, heavily accented fellow uh, who is Lord Wingrave's, uh, or Sir Wingrave, I guess. Your parents were the Lord and Lady, weren't they? Um, Personal assistant, partner in in uh, business. It's I'm not 100 percent sure. On He's the that. Jacob Marley to their business. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> but Cameron, yes, Cameron. assistant, I think. Yeah. I, I I'm just going to say that he's a valet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, he does. He does. Uh, he does a do lot. Various bits and bobs that need to be done. Does, he does basically everything. <laughs> like, our introduction to him is bright and early. He goes out, buys a bottle of whiskey, buys a brand new shirt, and heads to Wingrave's office where he is in need of both some uh, hair of the dog and a new shirt. Because this is the kind of people we uh, we are dealing with here. They are rich enough to just uh, just have someone buy you a new shirt every day. Well, and, need and they're like top of the line designer things. They're not just from oh, yeah. the corner shop. <laughs> this is from the fancy no, shops. No, yeah, yeah, the very fancy shop. <laughs> mm. Um, and uh, also, um, 
if if I may, because this is mm. this is a year previous to Danny yes. uh, being yes. hired on, and uh, we, by virtue of that fact, we have seen that uh, uh, Wingrave has been in this uh, state of constant intoxication for at least a year. Uh, yep. Yep. So <laughs> he's uh he's not taking the loss of his brother and sister-in-law very well. Uh, it seems. Which, uh, to be fair, trauma. Um, but yeah, uh, we get to see Rebecca Jessel and her interview. She is what you could call extremely highly qualified for any position. Yes. Uh, and, is, and is applying to be an au pair for some reason, despite being one of the most widely, like, learned and studied people in the entire show. Uh, <laughs> Um, and, uh, sort of, you know, blitzes through an interview, which seems to be primarily being run by Peter Quint, uh, and she gets the job, and heads off to Bly Manor, uh, in his company, as it were. Um, uh, sorry, my words disappeared all of a sudden. Oh my god, <laughs> what was I gonna say? Ghosts are getting me, apparently. Um, <laughs> what are your your two's uh, initial impressions of both Peter and Rebecca as characters here? They're both, like, presenting one thing on the surface and but then being something else. Uh, and that's, mm. that's more the case. It feels more the case in... Um, dealing with Peter, but we have a lot of that uh, with Rebecca as well, uh, particularly because she's so overqualified for this job position, uh, and we get a little bit of um, her motives for, for yeah. this particular job as the episode goes on. Yes. Um, uh, well, first and foremost, I think it's worth mentioning that uh, the actor playing Peter also played Luke in uh, Hill House. Mm -hmm. um, Yep. And so he has, uh, uh, I, I think, uh, uh, a nice little character detail that they gave him um, is the scar under his left eye, um, mm. which is is just a, a tiny little makeup prosthetic since the actor doesn't actually have that. Um, uh, and also his accent, which is um, uh, <laughs> very Cockney. Um <laughs> So they're 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 um they're uh really kind of hammering it at home that uh, Peter has kind of had a probably rough and tumble life and has uh, mm. uh, ascended to this position, um, which I feel uh, is highlighted later in in this episode um, uh, during some dialogue scene. But and Miss Jessel yeah. once again is is um, overly qualified. Uh, there's a sequence uh, during the interview that I really like where Peter points out that she's got a stain on her blouse and she just moves her ponytail uh, over it, <laughs> says it's fine. Yeah. And uh, so Wingrave, when he he first looks at her, tells her that she has a stain, even though it is still obscured by her ponytail 
Um, so even though he's a drunkard, he's mm. still on the ball enough to 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 suss out a little bit of nonsense. Um, yeah, they are are really good characters, and they're also ve- very good at well. The actors are very good at portraying the their uh, attraction to one another because that is almost instantaneous. Yeah, yeah, they they really really hit it off. Uh, Miss Jessel and Peter Quint do. Uh, we also find out that uh, Miss Jessel is the origin, uh, apparently at least, of Flora's constant use of the phrase "perfectly splendid." Yes, uh, <laughs> which is kind of cute. And like, kind of like, awfully sad because you know we know Flora found Miss Dressel drowned in a pond at some point after this. Um, yeah, uh, you know she seems to do a fantastic job with the two kids. Uh, she seems to fit in very well with the people around the manor. She and Peter get along probably a bit too well. Um, <laughs> Um, and we we do get some great uh, conversation between them that sort of breaks down the realness. Like, Peter works for Sir Wingrave, but obviously doesn't believe in any of all this, this sort of aristocracy slash, like, higher class stuff. You, you know, this great big pointless house. Uh, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, she is uh, she's working as an au pair in order to get in to Sir Wingrave's good books so she can sort of bypass some of the stages required to become a barrister, basically, instead of having to do a, a sort of a fraught, essentially an internship. She's hoping to essentially get a direct mentorship instead by showing that she's good at controlling uh, difficult situations, like your two heirs, for example. Yes. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I did want to point out that... Uh... Um, once uh, Peter and Miss Jessel arrive, uh, of course, the kids are super excited. Um, mm. uh, Hannah Gross is not fond of Peter right off of the mm. bat. Um, yeah. And Miles is already gravitating towards Peter's personality. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, he really likes Peter. Um, so. And... Yeah, and we also learn in this episode that Peter is where Miles got his weird thing for uh, trying to find people's quote unquote keys. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which mm. I should point out uh, feels that that entire uh, little bit of dialogue between mm. Peter and Miles about keys and specifically as they relate to um, houses, uh, especially mm. this house. Uh, feels like a very, very clever, subtle reference to the locked door from Hill House. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Um, so I, I did appreciate that. That that feels like a thematic, a weird, a weird reincorporation of that thematic through line um, uh, added into this story in a in a mm. in a very interesting way. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we essentially get this little bit of sort of backstory, you know, Quint is close to Miles, Jessel is close to Flora, um, you know, the the, ba- the basis of, you know, how they were together, um, sneaking off into the forbidden wing of the house for relations. Is, yes, uh, and mm, furs. 
and and in furs, yes, uh, in the uh, in the former Lady of the House's furs, no less, uh, is something that Mrs. Gross does not approve of. Um, and this is a uh, this is a uh, more or less where this flashback ends, and uh, it turns out you know Hannah has been talking to Danny about like the past and like who Peter Quint was, etc. Because Danny has identified Peter Quint as the man she saw, you know, around the manor uh, earlier. Um, and, you know, who she swore she saw just before, uh, Miles went and passed out in a, in a, uh, drawing room of some description. Uh, and they have called the police. They're having a sweep around, but there's not much really else they can do, apparently. Um, and we also learn Peter Quint, uh, the reason he's no longer around is because he stole 200,000 pounds from, uh, Sir Wingrave's account. Yes. And then just disappeared. Um, I really, I, I really like this uh, scene with the police officer, who is uh, very blasé about it. About oh, I don't know the 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 thief and who mm. who disappeared for months and is now wandering around the the estate of the person that he robbed. Um, and uh, uh, Hannah being literally the best ca- the best character in in, in the show, uh, yes. just cleverly threatens him and says, "Oh well, I'll just call Sir Wingrave, and uh, you know maybe he'll have a he'll have a he'll have a uh, mm. talk with your direct superior and harangues him into um, doing another sweep around the property." Uh, on his way out, um, it's mm. it's 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 real good. She's Hannah Hannah's best girl. I stand Hannah Gross. Um. <laughs> yeah, she is pretty fantastic. I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah, um, um, and then da- and but then Danny goes off to do a sweep of her own with a mm. with a fireplace poker. And and a flashlight, and I'm just like, oh, oh man, if this turns into Silent Hill, then, then maybe. <laughs> just... mm, yeah, it's a uh, hey, it's spooky times. Late at night, there's a mysterious man wandering around. Um, after the first two episodes, I've had to like pause and rewind in some of these less dialogue-heavy scenes because I find the first watch of a non-dialogue scene, I'm constantly, like, squinting at the background of every shot, <laughs> looking for that goddamn plague doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so this episode was probably about, you know, 25-30% longer than it had to be for me. But <laughs> the, the the atmosphere is so good. I absolutely adore it. Uh, this, this creepy, spooky house at night. Um, yeah. Words. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, the rest of them essentially stay up most of the night, keeping an eye out for uh, the possibility of Peter Quint. Uh, and they uh, surmise that they've been getting these these uh, quote-unquote prank calls where someone calls the house and then hangs up when someone answers. Um, and uh, I believe it's Owen floats the idea that Peter might not know that Miss Jessel is dead and is right. calling to try and, you know, catch her on the phone, essentially. Uh, and now that he hasn't been able to get her on the phone, he has come to wander the grounds to just 
try and actually find her. Um, which, to be fair, 100% plausible theory if you yes. don't know that there are ghosts. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, adults being somewhat reasonable in horror, what is this? <laughs> um, and in the morning, Flora's disappeared from her bed uh, and is found by the lake, just kind of staring off across the water. Um, and as she's dragged away, kicking and screaming, uh, we see that she is looking at Rebecca's ghost, which is just kind of standing in the reeds across the way. Uh, very creepily, in a black outfit, because uh, ghost. Ooh. <laughs> um, I did actually want to point out, uh, so the, the mm. kids had, had had Coco, and Flora was super mm. amped up about it. Um, yeah. Yes. Uh, only to immediately pass out as children who are amped up on sugar do. I'm exactly. sure you know. I'm sure yes. you know from experience. Oh, I know. <laughs> uh, I am aware. We can um, stay up all but... night and have all this fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they're asleep. <laughs> perfect, perfect smash cut. <laughs> um, but as they're leading the kids back to bed, um, uh, uh, Mrs. Gross is is leading Miles, and Miles mentions that he was having a um, a terrible dream where he hurt yeah. her, um, and she was and, sad. Yes. <laughs> um. So that that's that's a that's that's an important piece of dialogue. Mm, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. These kids they're creepy. Okay, they're good kids, but they're weird as hell. It's so. <laughs> I had I I, I when I was rewatching these episodes yesterday, mm. um, there was this aspect that I picked up on immediately, which is um, the kids are kind of weird. Hannah's uh, like super good natured, but she's mm. also kind of weird when, when oh, she yeah. just starts floating off, like staring yeah. off into the distance, and she you have that eat food. Uh, oh, 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 hey, okay, good, good. I'm, I, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm not the only one that was like, man, she's had like three meals presented to her and mm. has touched none of them, and yep. I'm just like, all right. Um, <laughs> but the the uh, the thing that I think is actually really interesting about it is that. You've got those three, and they're kind of off and weird, but they're like mm. fly residents. Um, and, and then you've got Owen, Jamie, and Danny, who are, for all intents and fairly normal, like mm. yeah. actual people. So, like when you have those like six interacting with each other, the weirdness feels a little less weird. It's there, but it doesn't mm. feel. Um, hostile or um, invasive like it does yeah. when they're just kind of alone and doing their own thing. It's when it's it's an ensemble that the weirdness actually kind of dissipates and that was something that I had noticed um, once again upon re mm. rewatch last uh, last night. I was like, oh yeah. They, they, like, they, they, yeah, those three are super weirdos like all the time, <laughs> but when you put them with like normal people... They're fairly good, like except for the kids. But you're like, well, they're kids, and and also yeah. massive trauma. So 
yeah, yeah. It, it, it feels easy to write off. Yeah, they blend in a little when it's not just them by themselves. Like, right. all the shots with just Miles and Flora, sure, they're kids, but they are super weird kids. Oh, yeah, and super creepy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're always up to something. Those damn kids running out in the night with their muddy feet. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, and the next uh, evening, I believe, yes. Thanks, friend. Uh, the next evening, uh, Miles and Flora are putting on a show. It's story night. Yay. Story yeah. night. Um, which apparently is something that happens whenever they've managed to process whatever's going on with them and want to express it somehow. Yes. Uh, <laughs> In the most pretentious shows ever. Yeah. I mean, I mean listen, if I had... Children. If if I had that foyer, I would put on pretentious. Sh- I would make people do that. Yeah, I'd like yeah. I, I, I uh, oh yeah. D- did you enjoy dinner? Yeah. Now take a seat. The the show's about to start. Time. For yeah. The after dinner yeah. theater. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, Flora's part of the show is fairly innocuous. It's a little little weird, but not that weird. And then Miles is extremely weird because he is Poppet a puppet uh who has been forgotten by his maker <laughs> haven't we um all? yeah and he he gets super intense and super creepy and extremely like aggressive and weird with this long monologue about how you know all the stupid puppets forgot that they were puppets when the maker stopped pulling on their strings but then yeah. he started pulling again, and it hurt. I'm like, okay, dude, <laughs> Jesus. Um, uh, there is one thing I've seen so much in the last week is the, geez, kids, can you lighten up a little from the Simpsons? <laughs> and it feels so applicable to this show. <laughs> well, someone like, was reading them Legati stories. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah, not, not, um, not a good, not a good bedtime story there. And, absolutely and... not. <laughs> and I and I think that it's like it's actually really fair. I you know I and I'm really ashamed because it's kind of I, it's kind of my job to to, to know about the show, but I I don't know any of the actors or actresses' names. But man, this this kid playing Miles with this monologue the, mm. is is like fantastic. Like oh yeah. Yeah, like as a as a young actor, I'm I'm very excited to see what he moves on to because he's he's pretty fantastic. Mm. Yeah, and like I know I know it's a theatrical thing within a filmic thing here, but like he could do a good like Shakespeare monologue someday. I'd be into yeah. that. Yeah, but also do more horror. While you're still a creepy kid. Yeah, while you're still a creepy kid. <laughs> yeah. Just, just um, don't be too creepy, because then you get stuck in that, and then lambasted yeah. when you try to do something else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, fortunately, his intense rant about the puppets is cut short by the phone ringing again, <laughs> uh, at which point Jamie kind of just runs over, grabs her, she's fucking dead, Quint. <laughs> She's like, thanks for interrupting this horrifying play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But it's not Peter Quint. It's the the first time 
that someone has actually actually deliberately called the manor apparently uh and it's because owen's mother has finally died of uh dementia and dementia related uh problems um and it, it is like a terrible dark comedy but i did really laugh with jamie with the sarcastic snarky assume it's quint on the line just you know yelling that rebecca's dead and then just the immediate drop on her face and turn is like oh god <laughs> right yeah yeah it's real bad she's uh <laughs> yeah she 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 yeah she gets the the uh man i guess i'm i'm that asshole moment yeah 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 exactly um <laughs> so jamie and owen leave for the night obviously um owen's got to get uh home it's it's super super unfortunate and god this is like the, these two episodes i found super like emotionally wrenching like a lot and this is like a definite big part of it is like owen's acting here absolutely fantastic yeah. really gets across like that sort of shock grief when you first hear news like that um and danny sees them off and then turns around and there's the Mothman ghost again with its big glowing eyes and its gray aspect. Uh, and it screams as it is sucked back into the house. <laughs> um, which, incredibly creepy. Wonder what that's about. We'll absolutely find out in the next episode, which is fortunate because I was really getting curious about that. Um, yeah, and th- that is uh, that is the first episode of... Uh, scroll what was the name of it uh the two, two faces, faces part one mm-hmm. good lord um which i i really actually like that naming convention because like you'd expect two faces part two next but it means they are dealing with like different subplots not all they they don't resolve a subplot they move on to the next these things are still sort of knitted together yeah, so yeah really I mean, none of this is linear it's bouncing around a lot mm. yeah yeah um, and overall, I felt this was a, a pretty good episode. Um, it was a lot more, well, honestly, the previous two were also pretty slow burn. Um, but it was, it was a lot more like, uh, informational, I guess. Like the, the first two episodes sort of set up the setting and the characters and here's some of the spooky stuff happening around the house. And then this one has gone, okay, we know the house is spooky. We know the people. Let's dive into some of the stuff that has gotten us to this point. Um, yes. Yeah, and it is all, it's all pretty good, and it sets up uh, drama moving forward into the story as well with Owen and all that. Um, and also in general, I feel I should note throughout this episode, uh, Jamie and Danny have sort of been getting closer. One would say they're you know they're getting uh, more comfortable with each other. They're talking. They're chatting. Uh, they're sharing the the looks and the little bits of humor and stuff. Um, they're really fitting in together. What what good pals? <laughs> just, just gals being pals. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on the episode, you two? Uh, well, I wanted to go into um, uh, so uh, Peter and Rebecca's relationship is not healthy in the slightest. Yes. Um, it, really bad um mm-hmm. and it's bad in in a really realistic and uncomfortable way uh where he's like 
you know, it'd be easy if it was like, I'm a schemer and I tricked you. And now that I'm locked in, I, haha, I'm just the biggest jerk in the world. But there seems to be an actual fluctuation. There are triggers there. It's none of his behavior is excusable, but from little hints and details that you get from him throughout the episode, he's, he's, um, um, just, he feels like a real, the real, like, abusive person. And, uh, Mm. I, I I think I, I wanted to highlight the fact that I, I'm, I'm impressed by how measured, um, both the performance and the writing of the character is because he does the thing like there's a part where he brings in a bouquet of flowers uh and uh then presents it to flora because of course that's the Mm. sweet thing that you do and then flora gives one rose to miss jessel and i'm like oh yeah that's that's nice and that's what actually leads into the discussion about um about keys uh with miles Mm. Yes. Um, and yeah. then yeah then there's a uh uh after after uh Peter and Rebecca have spent their first night, night together uh he tries to get her to shirk off her duties and come back to bed and and yeah. and she doesn't and that clearly upsets him um mm-hmm. yeah there's it's it's just some really good performance and some some actual good writing for this kind of awful toxic relationship yeah dave any other thoughts yourself Mm, there are just along the same lines i mean that's uh you can see that he he's interested in her like he likes her on Mm. some level but his personality and his character aren't conducive to that at least not in this situation um yeah he's far more aggressive than ever would need like he could have just played this straight and it would have been fine but he's Mm. so like self-centric uh that it it's just gonna be bad like no matter kind of how the situation plays out yeah yeah He's yeah, possessive he's a, and yeah. extra jealous, which is like I mean they, those those do go hand in hand. But for someone yeah. so self assured, uh, I feel that that is a lot of the what's behind the character is he's he's playing at this station. I mean he's good at mm. looks like he's good at what he oh, does, yeah. which is weird. So he's effective. You think you could just get by on that but he's like always trying to to play a game i guess and Mm. that's to his ultimate detriment really yeah he's he's a somewhat self-destructive sociopath yeah and a kind of con man it's a lot going on there's a lot going on with with his character and with um Rebecca Jessel, she's not mm. clear of this uh, either. She's no, she's yeah. doing things that are like mm, that's not a that's not uh, that's under the table kind of. I mean, that's, that's the whole yeah. point with her taking on this job in order to further herself in the first place. Uh, mm. And I think that this you can roll that back to um, her time in the interview where she 
she has the stain on her blouse and then she just hides it with her braid. Yeah. It's like that that doesn't make the stain go away uh, and then she makes the remark that you know I'm I'm dealing with like two school age children like what why should I care about like how the blouse is going to be because it's it's going to yeah, get messed it's gonna up. Get right. Yeah. Uh, but that I think hiding of something even though it's still in plain sight applies to both characters. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, yeah. it's a character yeah. thing more than just an overt like oh there's a stain in your blouse and you're being tricky about it or something yeah 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 there we got a bunch of good characters uh everyone everyone's well well written and well performed uh and this is Mm. uh, i think i made the remark the first time around um seeing these characters and the majority of them being from the previous series and they just get a whole Work. I mean, they're so completely different from how they were, but there's like little nods to the previous roles they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's just great yeah. seeing them like get to do like you get to stretch and be something completely different in the series. Yeah, mm. yeah. I yeah. I did. Oh, go on, Cam. No, 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 no. You go. Oh, I just wanted to bring up um, uh, that Jamie gets this really great uh, little bit of dialogue where she talks about. Um, love and possession and that mm-hmm. uh, Peter screwed himself into into Rebecca but because he can't separate love from possession he trapped himself in his own prison as well so yeah that's... yeah that's gonna be important yep. <laughs> uh, all right um well in that case let's move on to episode four the way it came um it's also going to have a, a decent bit of sort of backstory flashback style stuff. Uh, but this time, we're finally getting some explanations for what's up with Danny and the, the glowing-eyed Spectre. Yep. Uh, which is really good. Um, this was not what I expected out of all of this, honestly. Um, <laughs> and it was way more traumatic than I thought it would be. So. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so we essentially we essentially get a flashback to um uh before Danny left America and came to England. Um and she was engaged to Edmund, apparently a childhood friend, uh who is the spectre she's seeing. He's got the big glasses, he's got the floppy, partly curly hair. Um and this is like it feels like not small town but like suburban America like that real Americana style feeling of um the burbs. Oh, that's interesting be- because it gave <laughs> off like a, a a very like middle America vibe to me. Oh, okay. I think it's yeah. I think it's You're Danny's more accent. I yeah. think Danny has an, an an accent that I can't quite place and that's what like added to that on top mm. of like the fact that it's like, oh, yeah, we've been t- childhood friends and then turned into sweethearts and blah, blah, blah. And, like, yeah. the party in the house, like, uh, yeah, in yeah. the private... Re- I'm like, the man, this is, like, uh, nothing but small-town America right here. Yeah, that's fair. You probably have a better idea of that than me. Uh, all my American knowledge is stereotypes and you too, so... <laughs> You know. I also um <laughs> I also really love uh kid Danny and Edmund when she tries mm. on his glasses and she's like, yeah. Can you even see me when you're not wearing these? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, the, like, um, and what we see of their childhood is actually really sweet. Yep. You know, they be really, really good childhood friends, and then we get to them adults, as adults at their engagement party, and it's super awkward all of a sudden, like, uh, Edmund's very... <laughs> you couldn't make this any more awkward. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you could not, yeah. Uh, yeah, Edmund is so enthusiastic and passionate, and Danny is so clearly nervous and uncomfortable. She, she just does not want to be there. It's it's like yeah, flags absolutely. are going up all over the place. Going, uh, yeah, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, we we get the story. You know, like um, he first proposed when they were really young, and she said, "No, we're too young to get married." So he kept asking year after year after year, and eventually she said yes. I'm like, ah. Oh, that's not a good sign. Nope. <laughs> That's really not a good sign, but okay, sure. Um, and, like, you know, Emmons family loves her. They've known her, you know, most of his life. Um, she's basically already part of the family. Why not take this final step? Obviously. You know, your mother didn't save you her wedding dress, so you can have Edmund's mother's wedding dress. Yeah, you can have this ugly wedding dress. This ugly, ugly wedding dress. I will not. I will. I will. I will not stand this wedding yeah. dress. No, that's fair. It's not great. I was just like. I, I was. I. I do believe. I do believe that my partner and I both recoiled when when she laid it over her uh, the first time watching this episode, and we we're like, yeah, no, bad. And you're gonna. And you're just gonna like refit no no bad how dare you that's cruel i mean i know you need something old but like make it make it something else and not this dress because that's yeah. what i was expecting in this horror horror series about spooky spooky ghosts the 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 scariest ghost is this old dress well it would have been like from the 60s yeah, it was. Yeah. So it was. It was already at least two decades out of fashion, and then, <laughs> then it got landed in the eighties, where yeah, Danny has her like the best <laughs> pants. She's just running around in. It's like, oh, those look terrible, but that looks appropriate. Oh, I guess. The, oh, the high waisted <laughs> pants. Oh, the, yeah. that's, that, those. Oh man, that silhouette, like when Danny in the previous episode after the, mm -hmm. the cop leaves, and I'm just like, man, like, is your torso like a foot and a half long? Like, why are those pants so high? Because <laughs> that's the, that was the style. It, it was acceptable yeah. in the 80s. As it was, was acceptable the at the time. <laughs> but but was it? I don't know. <laughs> I we tr we tricked ourselves into believing that this was okay. Oh, I think that that was a, that was the case for a lot of fashion, and, <laughs> yeah. and continues to be. There's there's plenty of oh, questionable yeah. stuff where it's like, uh, yeah, this is popular, yeah. mm, but is it? Who says it's popular? Uh, the person selling it? Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, right. no, it is fashion of Bly Manor. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> well, well, well. Once again, Hannah Gross wins that award. Yeah, she's, oh, yes, <laughs> yeah, flawless in every show. <laughs> always impeccably dressed, perfect at, yeah, every single shot. Pe Peter Quint is pretty fashionable too. Mm. Yeah, true, true. yeah. 
that. We can give him that. I don't know. I don't know about it. He gets that. That's kind of it, I think. <laughs> that, yeah. is, that, is, that is actually kind of it with Peter. <laughs> Look, um, Peter looks good in a suit, Quint. <laughs> yes. Yep. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, uh, we get this sort of we get this timeline of you know childhood to adulthood to engagement to planning for the wedding, and Edmund has sort of set up a, a nice dinner at a fancy restaurant for them so they can get away from all the wedding planning. And at this point, Danny just kind of breaks down because planning a big wedding is awful. I'm sure when I get married, I intend to have no more than fifty people there because good god, um, and like. It, it's a lot of work. She's doing all the work, of course, because, you know, 80s, gender roles, it'd be like that. Um, and, you know, uh, Emma's like, well, as long as you're happy to get married, and then she just doesn't say anything. I'm like, ah, uh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> yep. Uh, and um, it's real bad because she accepted his proposal because she didn't want to disappoint or hurt his family. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it's about as fucking bad as it gets. <laughs> well, it it's made even worse because the the reason that she's not into it is because that surprise Danny's mm. a lesbian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you, you hadn't guessed. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Um I mean that doesn't come up right now, but it's it's it's, it's crazy it's, how bad it, this is. Yeah, during the <laughs> during the dress fitting, like the scene earlier, mm -hmm. that's basically yeah. and everything that's been going on between her and Jamie, that's yeah. where all the puzzle pieces fall together. So it's like, surprise, we're engaged. Also, I'm a lesbian and I don't want to get married, but I still love you. This isn't you. <laughs> this isn't like really frustrating. And yeah, once again, this is kind of like the the ultimate like like blow up of of like eighties gender roles and oh yeah what it was like in America at the time and you know all over the world uh in, mm. in places. So yeah, uh, this woman who who legitimately loves her best friend, but that's mm. what he is. She he's yeah. her best friend and she never wanted to get married, but expectations yep yeah. and then we, and, and she then, was already part of the family <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. what so. else were you gonna do <laughs> and, and then we get and then we get the waiter who can't read the room oh, ever gosh. like yeah. twice it's like they're like they turned their head and they're both kind of not <laughs> sobbing but it's real close and you're like yeah. it's, your yeah. dish is served it's like uh, no oh, it's like, thanks thank you <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I can see a situation where that's a welcomed break to it, but in in terms of a bombshell like this, it's not going to cut it. Um, no, it's not. You like, <laughs> you could have. Here's some wine, guys, on the house. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so, something yeah. not. Here's your main dishes that you're obviously not going to be eating. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and then so they get in the car to go home. And Danny tries to continue the conversation, and Edmund is not having it, and, like, in a fit of just, get away from me, I don't know how to process this right now, literally just pushes open the door to the car and steps out, and turns, and we get about five frames of, like, him with the glasses lit up, and I went, oh no, 
and then the truck hits him. Yep. <laughs> and like, ah, that's where the ghost came from. <laughs> this is how you make a ghost. Y- yep. Yes, and it it's like the, the tropiest, he's still kind of breathing for a little while. Like, I don't, that was mm-hmm. a something, some mini ton truck. No. Uh, I mean... Humans are surprisingly durable. He yeah, was maybe. alive enough to make it into surgery. Qu- alive with quotation marks. Uh, yeah, I don't... <laughs> like, he, he hadn't stopped twitching yet. Yeah. Um, and then the best part is that she she's running over to, like, hold his hand or you know, something. You know, she's just yeah. in shock. And then the truck driver's just chilling in the truck. It's like, yeah. no. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was the most... That was, that was the affront right there. Yeah. God, he could, he could have at least throw, thrown his arms up as he sat in the cab. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's going to be a lot of paperwork. <laughs> oh god, um, yeah, and it it it's uh it's pretty awful, and it gets worse because not only like from her point of view, not only did she more or less kill him, like I can see how she comes to that conclusion, feel the guilt of that, um. She has to do the whole funeral and grieving process as if um, they had not just essentially broken up. Yep. Because can't hurt the family anymore and say, oh, actually, the reason he jumped in front of a truck, and intentionally or not, was because I told him it wasn't going to work out between us. So, like, she's just at the funeral, and people are like, you two were such a fabulous couple. I know you made him very happy, yada, yada, yada. And it just gets to be a lot, and, you know, she starts freaking out, she sees him in a mirror, and is like, excuse me, I'm like, oh, she's gonna storm off, no, she goes and just grabs a coat, puts it over the mirror in the funeral uh, house hall, and then just leans down and starts sobbing, I'm like, oh, okay, this is pretty rough. <laughs> I mean, and it's not even him just in the mirror, he's, like, holding her. Yeah, he's <laughs> got he's yeah. got his hand on her shoulder, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I think his ghost um, is taller than he was. Like it, it made it, it oh, significantly yes. yeah. taller than it's, he, it's he actually was. He became a tall, a tall boy. Yeah, you know, <laughs> a giant in death, etc. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, the the final bit of this flashback is Edmund's mother comes by a few weeks, maybe a month or so later. Is like, you know, I just came to check on you. Um, the neighbors say you haven't been eating, so I brought you some lasagna. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. oh my, my favorite. <laughs> yeah, and also, here's Edmund's glasses. I'm sure you want them. Oh, you don't want them? No, listen. I can't have these. Yeah, I, I don't want them, them either. I don't want the spooky glasses. Here you go. <laughs> I've been seeing like, things. Wait. <laughs> dear God, I mean, like, I know trauma, all right, but maybe don't foist the glasses off on (laughs) she doesn't know the whole the whole breakup part of it don't foist the your deceased son's glasses on your wants to be (laughs) daughter-in-law especially if her first reaction is like oh no i couldn't and like backs away with her hands up in abject horror (laughs) it's okay i don't want them either yeah 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 i'm like i'm like yeah thanks thanks for this cursed item yeah, like, she literally says, I can't stand to look at them, but I can't throw them away. It's like, okay, you're just gonna foist them on the person who they would traumatize the most. Yeah, Cold, that's how you it. get rid of a cursed item. You give it to yeah. somebody else. <laughs> uh, 
should have given them to a baby. Baby wouldn't care about the ghost. Uh, hey, hey, but hey, well, Danny, Danny kind of did because Flora found him oh, in her point. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, Danny at this point kind of like brushes off Edmund's mother, saying, "You know, she's got stuff to do. She'll be all right." And it's because actually she's packed her bags, and the taxi is pulled up across the street. Yep, she's getting the hell out of there. <laughs> And I don't blame her one bit. Yeah. It is, <laughs> yeah if only she had left five minutes sooner. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, would have come back to an empty house. Made and life and easier not have home. had spooky glasses. Exactly. Um, yeah, that that is uh, more or less the first half of the episode, I think. It's yeah. a pretty long flashback. Um, but it gives us some fantastic uh, details on Danny's story. It is traumatizing and creepy as all hell uh and really puts so much stuff into context now like it is now like fully explained why danny has such an adverse reaction to any flash of the ghost uh to just seeing the glasses uh showing up again that kind of thing um yeah it's uh it's pretty rough and uh she's not feeling great to the point where she doesn't go to Owen's mum's funeral, which, to be fair, she had never met Owen's mum. Right. And Owen also said, you don't actually need to come. <laughs> which is nice of him, at least. Um, I I also appreciate Danny's super ugly 80s black dress, too. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> And and the fact that she 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 looks she uh, that she wait did I say Danny or Jamie? You said Danny. Matter. You said Danny. Okay, uh, and that Danny? no 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 no, uh, and that Danny's ugly dress, and that Jamie she tells Jamie it's it's the only thing in black that I had, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, still not great for a funeral. No. A bit scandalous for a funeral. There, 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 there are there are a few too many frills, off-center frills for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, again, we get we get some nice little fluffy stuff with Jamie and Danny. You know, now that I don't have to go to the funeral, can you help me get this dress off? Like, oh, and like, no, really, I can't reach this zip. Which, God, that that's a feeling. <laughs> Inconvenient zips are the constant of women's clothing. I'm sorry, and, for all of you. and no pockets. And yeah, no pockets. Yes. Good point. There, there are two terrible constants: inconvenience zips and no pockets. <laughs> um, and also yeah, ghost uh, fiancés. Also ghost fiancés. Yeah, exactly. Um, so while uh, while skipping out on the funeral, Danny takes a walk around the grounds and finds Flora also skipping out on the funeral, which fair, she is a small child. Uh, but she's doing what I would actually classify as a really cool thing for a kid to do at this age in a place like this, which is grave rubbing. Yes. Not robbing, rubbing. Yes. <laughs> uh, with paper and wax, specifically. Um, I didn't do it with graves as a kid, but I did do it with a bunch of other stuff as a kid. It was a fun pastime. You should try it. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know if the names on any of these graves are going to be hyper-relevant in future. At least one of them probably will be. Um, but we get a we get a fun bit of little wordplay from Flora because you know Danny's like your pants are getting all wet and of course this that sends her no end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She loves it because 
again, uh, American English, your pants are the things what you put on your legs. And in British English, the pants are the underwear. Uh, yes. Uh, she, was, she was only getting her trousers wet. Yes, only my trousers. Correct. Said I'd wet myself like a baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I love that. I love that that mm. lie. She yeah. said I wet myself like a baby, and I'm like, man, laying it on real thick here, oh, aren't you, yeah. Flora? You get real punchy when you do your grave rubbings, don't you, Flora? <laughs> well, she yeah. does about everything, yeah, to be fair. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. She loves she loves it all. She's she's one of those kids that just loves to like hype everything up. Yeah. It's the best thing ever. It's the most splendid thing ever. And that's why, like, her view on the basement being perfectly horrible was actually important. Yep. <laughs> Not getting hyped up, you know it's serious. Um, <laughs> uh, we find uh, Hannah has also skipped out on the funeral because, you know, she does things her own way. Uh, she's lighting, lit a candle for Owen's mum, etc., etc. Um, you know, we get a, a, another little bit of interaction and Later on, the kids have been sent to bed. Um, oh my goodness. Um, the kids have been sent to bed, and uh, the adults are having a bonfire to kind of deal with everything. Um, actually, I should say, uh, Danny thought she saw Peter Quint, grabbed the fire poker again, and, you know, it looked like he was about to come through the front door. So literally, like, flings the front door open and brandishes the poker and nearly kills Owen with it <laughs> as he, he's also come back from the funeral halfway through it because I really can't blame him it sounds yeah. like an awful affair yeah um, and then but, I mean it's that whole line of like I didn't like I didn't mean to come I didn't know where I was going and I just oh god yeah. up here. that's a lot yeah yeah I mean I, I do that without traumatic experiences so yeah you know. poor Owen yeah Poor Owen. I feel re- I feel so bad for him. Again, his actor does such an incredible job. Everyone does really good. And then Jamie was just like <sighs> saying mm. too much. I was like, I don't think you should say that it's uh, like a boon. Like, mm. I, 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 I get what you're saying, but didn't need to say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, she, she's super pragmatic, but no filter, and it's it, yeah. really off-putting. <laughs> Like she's not, not wrong, but you well, should. She's not say saying it. it to him at at, <laughs> right. at the least. She understood that maybe too mm-hmm. much, but she's right. just saying yeah. it to everybody else, so you know what's like on her, where she's sitting on this. Her opinion. Yeah. Oh. Uh, uh, and I will mention because this is this is this is actually important. The uh, there was a rubbing that Flora was doing on a uh, stone. In the uh, chapel, yeah. uh, mm. that uh, Danny picks up, and it reads Viola Lloyd. So that's yeah, that's something to lock away. Yeah, that'll people. come in handy eventually. It's one, it's one of those dang ghosts around this house. <laughs> I swear to God, it's one of them. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the adults are having a sort of wake style bonfire they've got a whole bunch of wine in just a pallet essentially it's not even the, yes, yeah, it's like grab a bottle yeah. we're doing this guys yeah yeah because there's a there's a wine cellar on the uh, on the property because of course mm. there is they're rich of yeah, course there's rich. a wine cellar yeah 
And hey, for once we see Hannah uh, drink something that's not tea. <laughs> yes. Still not food, but it is wine. It's a step. Yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we do see Hannah. Hannah drink. Uh, we actually see her drink uh, previously because somehow she knew that Owen would be back at the manor and mm, that yes. uh, started preparing shepherd's pie, which she knows is his favorite. Um, yep. Because they're in that because they're in love because they are yeah. they are doing a because they, they got a thing going on. Yeah, and it's it's super sweet yeah. and really nice. Just it's a really sweet portrayal of like these two people that are kind of dancing around their flirtation. Mm. Yeah, it'd be improper to show it too forwardly. They've got work to do, but uh, come on, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. They they have a bonfire, and uh, Jamie brings up. The origins of the bonfire, which was, you know, you'd burn bones at certain times of the year to ward off the evil spirits before you got too deep into winter. Um, and so, in this case, the bone is metaphorical. Yep. And it's actually an, it's an excuse to toast uh, various people and sort of air the grievances of the past. So we get a toast for Owen's mum. Owen gets to air his grievances over the funeral, wherein everyone glossed over the, the the absolute horror that is dementia which yeah i mean like i understand why people do but it's something people should talk about because it's uh something traumatic that people need to like work through yes <laughs> yeah um seeing hey seeing people slip away over time not cool uh no matter the context <laughs> um god i feel so bad every time I keep saying it, but hmm. um, we get a toast for uh, Charlotte and oh god, I've forgotten Lord Wingrave's name. The the um the the Lord and Lady Wingrave uh, gone a year now, over a year. Good God, um, words. Uh, and we get one for Rebecca Jessel as well. Yes, from from yeah. Hannah. From Hannah. Yeah, they're they're sort of they're, you know they they. Essentially listing off everyone they know who has died at this point, and then Danny pointedly doesn't take part. <laughs> nope, she's just like, no, no, thank you. Pass. No confronting this. I will pass on this one. Um, and uh, you know, uh, Owen, Owen, and Hannah are sort of just taking comfort in each other. That's not a euphemism, uh, actually. <laughs> it's just sweet of them. And uh, Jamie and Danny sort of walk off to go just have a chat you know give them some time you know get away from the roaring heat of the fire for a bit and they go they go sit in the greenhouse they have a little bit of a chat and you know they sort of air some things and partway through a sentence danny just everything overflows it's terrible repressing yourself and uh long kisses jamie and it's very sweet and it makes it even worse when halfway through the next kiss uh, Edmund's ghost appears and freaks the hell out of Danny again. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, hey, it's real difficult when past trauma interferes with your with your present and future. This is a uh, just just a general message. It's a good it's a good bit of symbolism. That's also just hey, ghosts, man. <laughs> Especially when it's just uh, it's a manifestation of guilt. <laughs> Yeah, especially oh, yeah. when it's a manifestation of guilt. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she, uh, she left the country to get away from, but not deal with. So that's yeah, that's mm. the crux of like what Danny's going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because that's a lot. That's not like a. That's not one small thing. It's like you feel like your actions not only were compromising your own future. Um, mm. but then ultimately ended up to your mind potentially killing your best friend. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot to intentionally not deal with to any yeah. degree. Um yeah. Yeah. Um and uh I do I do like uh hey, we've already mentioned it. Jamie is super like forward and speaks not necessarily without thinking, but speaks without a filter. And so it's like, oh yeah, I hope I was hoping you'd like talk to me a bit more about your your dead fiance. It's like, and you know, to be fair, she's very accepting. Like Danny's like, you know, I still see him sometimes. It's like, and Jamie's like, is he here now? It's like, no. It's like, oh good, fuck off, dead boyfriend. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I think that just called him. Thanks. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But like, it it is it is very meaningful that Jamie's like supportive and like. Yeah, she's really accepting of what Danny's Mm. bringing to the table because it's a lot. There's there's a couple bags there. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, But you know, Jamie's presumably not without her own baggage. Uh, Yeah, I don't think anyone in this in this setting is you could (laughs) say that for. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. There's uh being a very kind and caring, supportive person. Um, and. Once Danny is clearly freaking out, it's also very quick to shut the whole thing down. And maybe another night, another time. At which point the narrator comes in and says, but what Jamie did not understand was that the the old pair have been waiting literally her entire life for another night, another time. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's got to be so rough. Um, yeah, <laughs> sorry, Jamie, bad luck. <laughs> yeah, better luck next time. I know there's probably not a happy ending, but I would hope there was a happy ending. <laughs> um, later on, uh, Danny has gone to bed um, as after Jamie has gotten Owen home uh, and Hannah has also presumably gone to bed and uh, decides to get up for more alcohol, which is always a good idea. And we find out how the kids knew that Danny was getting out of bed at night, which is... Just that uh, Flora's dollhouse just shows the position of people, and like <laughs> the dolls move around on their own to represent roughly where people are at any given time. Um, so when so when early on when Danny finds the doll of Peter Quint just looming menacingly over uh, Miles' bed in the dollhouse, oh yes, brings some more meaning to that. Um, he's, he's possessed. I'm pretty sure, hundred um, percent. So some awful thing going on there but uh yeah danny's doll isn't in a room and there's this doll of a lady in white uh it, it, it's it's the, it's the dresser doll the, yep. the one that lives under the dresser yep yeah um i i do have to say that like there was an aspect of of this like uh this kind of weird remote viewing that flora has yeah that i'm just like man I kind of wish that Kojima was still a Konami because I'd really like a Metal Gear villain that basically just had the entire base oh. set up with, with, with oh. 
that'd be great. Like fight a villain that fight a villain that has the mini map, <laughs> <laughs> but in the form of a just like yeah, one, what one yeah one third scale of the base of the of, of the area. Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> Don't make a Metal Gear game with that, but make a game with that. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but to their credit, the children are absolute heroes, as far as I can tell, because they they notice Danny's out of bed. They notice the creepy the creepy doll indicating a ghost is roaming around, and immediately begin operation prevent the au pair from seeing something which might kill her or something like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's essentially run out, find Danny, and say, you know, Flora had a terrible nightmare. You need to stand here and look at us and talk with us for at least a few minutes. While it slowly, uh, like, goes behind you. <laughs> oh, God. This is so great, because it's the two kids standing next to each other, and Danny just there with, like, a, a bottle of wine in one hand. It's like, oh, no, that sounds like an awful nightmare. And Miles just kind of looks over her shoulder... And out of focus in the back, you just see a figure in white, step, step, just slowly walking across the uh, the junction of corridors that Danny was literally about to walk through uh, before the kids stopped her. <laughs> like, but both oh. kids are just have this the f- most frightened. Like they do, they do not want to see the thing, but they're trying to keep yeah. her there. And had she not just been like blottoed she would have yeah immediately picked yeah, up picked on it up. but she's just like she's three sheets to the wind <laughs> and it's just like, yeah. oh yeah. we'll tuck you in or something and oh you want some milk yeah. okay <laughs> yeah she's like humoring <laughs> them and then like mostly just not really present yeah oh she's dealing with a lot mm-hmm. like she was dealing with a lot before now she's beginning to process a whole lot yeah uh, <laughs> And sometimes um, you have to filter that through a second bottle of wine. Yeah, you know, or a third. Um, <laughs> uh, the children, their job done and their au pair saved, uh, are, allow themselves to be returned to bed because you know they couldn't stop themselves. Uh, they couldn't be stopped if they really wanted to stay out. Um, and Danny, however, fiendishly stays up. Um, gets the gets Edmund's glasses and actually goes back out to the remains of the bonfire crackling low at this point and decides maybe it is better to let go of the past tosses them in and is again confronted by Edmund's ghost but at this point just kind of looks at him turns away a little and then looks at like I guess it's just you and me now yep <laughs> which character growth she's yep. beginning to face face her past trauma good on her well done. This is probably going to go terribly badly in the next episode. <laughs> well, and and this is one of the first times where um, Edmund has manifested mm, in front of her. Of her. At, yeah, yeah. She's not seeing it like in the corner of her eye or behind, because usually it's Edmund behind her yeah, because she's not yeah. facing him. And then now they're she's literally face to face with her her guilt and her past mm. yeah is, is getting ready ready to confront it you know she's she's given the indication that she's at least willing to attempt to grow and move on which um, 
what what Danny didn't realize is that Edmund just respawned at the bonfire. I, I mean, <laughs> I, at some point, it, I, it, I, 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 someone had to. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so far I think like it had great stuff that gave good context for like the story thus far it had great character interactions it had like a really tense spooky moment that was like interestingly done because it's not like camera work and oh look at these shadows but it was like this this 10 year old child is looking nervous and fidgeting while talking to his au pair and that's a tension-raising action. Um, and it had character growth. Yes. We're, we're getting somewhere. Like, things are... We've got all this setup done, and things are beginning to really, really sort of start moving forward at this point, which is appropriate, because we're, like, almost halfway through the show. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yes. Halfway? Is, it, is it ten episodes on eight? It's nine. Nine, of course. <laughs> Couldn't get it right out of the way. <laughs> um, and also, uh, something that I forgot to mention earlier is that when, uh, right before Flora ran into the chapel, uh, mm. Hannah was staring at the ceiling, and that yep. unpleasant <laughs> that that crack that just looks like a like a, like a like a rune from Bloodborne just. Yep was there on the wall and after going back and looking again it is once again gone same crack mm. different location oh boy i'm intrigued about the crack <laughs> it's not high on my priority list but i really kind of want to know what's going on there um i'm sure i'll find out eventually yeah um dave leonard your opinions not on the crack on the episode <laughs> Yeah, this was a really good episode. Um, so I also took the time this week to go through and, well, I would listen to it, but I went through The Turn of the Screw by um, Henry James. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's the full story that this is adapted from. It, the bones of it are, are there. It's a, yeah. a, a governess who goes to um, a house in the countryside to watch over two young children whose parents had, had been killed recently. All right. They just had died um, mm -hmm. overseas. And yeah. they're haunted both by Peter Quint and Miss um, Jessel. Yeah. But the book doesn't go into... There's no exposition, really. It just okay. introduces this is the cast, these are the ghosts that's all you're gonna get mm. like that you yeah. get some names and that they're like bad people like they're they're well they're bad but they're yeah. low people so they're they're just lower status um mm -hmm. that that's in, that's talked about a little bit in the tv series but they they make a big big deal about it um in the book this is a 1898 um novella also so it's that the setting is it's the period where people's dialogue that we felt was kind of happening um in the case especially in the case of flora would have been more like more period correct uh, mm -hmm. for for yeah. the for the book 
and it has the the main characters are basically only the governess um and miss gross mm. what they've done i feel like for the show is they've taken miss gross's character and then split her into hannah gross and jamie okay okay yeah, because their relationship in the book um even with this being 1898, you're, you're reading it and going, I, this is more than just gals being pals. Like, that's not how this reads. Um, not, not mm. in 2020 reading their relationship. Yeah. Uh, it's, <laughs> it, it, no, it's, it's still, it's like, it's, there's nothing overt about it. It's just a very kind of wholesome. They're, they're the only two people that they can really rely on um, in, in the house for one. Mm. They're great friends. They're confidants to each other. It, it it really reads as like if you had combined Gross and and Jamie into one character, or vice versa. So yeah, a lot of same. her her the governess as she's dealing with these ghosts and these wayward children, um, her only recourse is to like rely specifically on Miss um, Gross uh, for anything really. Uh, there's it's playing a lot more with social social status uh, simply because like Miss Gross, uh, she's a servant of the house. She can't read. Uh, the governess is like trying to like rely on her for stuff and give her like, oh, if you here's a letter from the the master of the house and here's this stuff. She's like, I can't read it. You have to just kind of read it to me. So there's a lot of play with that, um, and particularly in regard to uh, Peter Quint and. The entire time, they're she's she's seeing his ghost like in different like on the parapet and uh, outside. It's never like really in the house except for one occasion. And every time she's just struck so much by his like appearance, and it, it plays so much on like I saw this someone was in the house and she's talking to Miss um, Gross, and she's like, "Oh, you know, was it another servant or something?" She's like, "No." Um, he wasn't this wasn't a gentleman and so they took like great <laughs> uh umbrage at that she's like oh we're not a gentleman you know so it's like she didn't even have a hat you know it <laughs> but it, it's just so conscious on uh on your bearing your demeanor and like what that says about you um so yeah. I I found that that to be really interesting, particularly um, in contrast to how they portray Peter Quint in the TV series, where he might be lower born, but he's decked you know to the nines. He looks the part. Yeah. Whereas this, right. he was like a scoundrel, just down to his the fiber of his clothes and his being, <laughs> mm. you know. And and she's like, oh, but he was handsome, but obviously like a rogue. Um. And they and they said the kind of the same thing with Miss Jessel. Um, she also, was, she's like a ho- she's a horrible old menace. Like <laughs> it's, it's not talking about her age. It's really weird. It's, it's the way it's. She's like a timeless, like an ancient evil. Uh, yeah, and it's like and I was like, no, she just died, and she was young like you, <laughs> like the same, roughly the same age as the governess. So they're just digging a lot into appearance versus it's very surface level reading of people i think mm. it's like right. oh you just have like that kind of face okay 
just look like a villain. Um, <laughs> so it was that part was really interesting because it was putting so much attention on it. Um, the, the the children aren't as um, they're not as charming, I guess. <laughs> seem like there's a sense of that to them but you're not really getting you're getting all this as a first person narrative um by the governess she's just like relating this tale to you mm-hmm. um like through a diary entry or, or yeah, a journal and when she's talking about the kids she's just like they they, they place so much more on um them being possessed and them not acting like as a child should uh miles it's it's Miles and Flora and Miles. Uh, they're, they're both demonstrating like um, uh, knowledge they shouldn't have. Um, their knowledge of history and mathematics and everything is just beyond. Like they don't even need to be taught anymore. It, it's it's a sense of it's like reducing the governess's place in the house. She's supposed to be there to teach them to do all these things, and like that's kind of being taken away from her um, by the children being like infinitely more precocious. Um, than they should be given the situation um, and their ages. It has Miles. Uh, um, it, it's set kind of in the same thing where it's during the Christmas holiday. Um, but it the time's ambiguous. It goes up like, oh, a few months later. How is this school year working? It's real weird. Because <laughs> um, he, he's dismissed from the, um, the, school, the boarding school he had been sent to. And it does, it never explains why. Um, they have to guess at it. And they're thinking that, oh, he's just, he stole something or whatever. But the, it turns out he was just, he was saying things that should never be repeated to um, his, like, most loved of friends. And it's just because yeah. it's Miles relating like what happened, but he doesn't remember because he was possessed by Peter Quint. Yeah, that is what the like it's what it's trying to like tell you without saying it. So it never mm. it never really gives them much exposition. But I think it works better for the story. You're you're left with just like it's like a story and stuff happens just just because that doesn't need explaining. I, I, I like that better. Um, in in that particular kind of instance where they don't bother to try to like dig too deep into it it's just there's there's two ghosts we don't really know why they're there they're trying to possess the children for some diabolical infernal end and that's the the governess is it's just her suppositions going like they just want to destroy the children Mm. like they they don't they don't want to take over them and like relive their life they just want to kill the children we don't know why because they're bad because they're low class Low yeah. class people are always—they're they're always trying to destroy high society. They just want to bring us down, and by taking out the children, there—that's the new generation, and they're—that would ruin the aristocracy. <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot of class struggle, I think, going on in in the background of the story, um, or really the foreground, because that's what the whole point is. Uh, but you can read you can read it in a couple different ways because it's very very ambiguous whether there's even ghosts at all. Um, no right. one can see them except for the governess, <laughs> and the, she keeps insisting that the kids see them. But then the kids are always like, "Nope, we don't see anything." So it turns into like gaslighting. <laughs> like she can't tell if they're yeah. that way or if they really can't. Ghost lighting. Ghost lighting. Yeah. <laughs> 
and uh, yeah, it just um, I'm interested because of how the book ends. I really want to see what they do with the show, and I will we'll just get to it. Um, I think I'll return to how the book ends once we get to, to episode nine. But at least just to give a, a sort of um, like it's not a one to one adaptation because they've added in a lot of other little fun details there's no like hidden or uh, shut off wing of the house that doesn't that stuff just doesn't really come into play in the book um, it's very mm. it's very bare bones um but i mean we're getting still like four hours long to listen to it so it was a lot a lot of um detail and a lot of it discussing um like things that are proper and people being mindful of their station and what you could possibly even try to do to remedy this. She can't contact, um, uh, Wingrave, um, because he's, he like forbid her from the beginning. He's like, I don't want to hear anything about the house or the kids or anything. Just like take care of it and I'll be back in a year or whatever. And so that part's strange. And she's like hesitant to even try to get a hold of him when there's stuff happening in the house. And a lot of that's her and Miss um, Gross trying to like navigate the situation for like uh, what would be proper socially. And like, would they even get him to believe? And they probably can't tell him that uh, Miles uh, was is not able to go back to the school, but then have to figure out like where to send him and not hide mm. it it's it's a lot of uh <laughs> navigation of things that you like wouldn't really consider outside of this very specific like kind of context so that part's it took longer to like, uh, like i get what it's saying um but it's not like relatable a whole lot <laughs> right right so you're just like right. okay, yeah. okay sure i mean yeah i guess that that sounds fair <laughs> I, okay I mean, I saw the bloody screaming woman, but Sir Wingrave told me never to wake him before noon. Yeah, so. no, it's it's literally <laughs> that kind of like. Well, we uh, have to listen to what the master says, and uh, the mansion is burning, but it's not noon yet. <laughs> Perhaps when the fire spreads to his wing, he will awaken and then solve this no, problem. No, no, we cannot. For we us. cannot. We like. <laughs> We must protect the wing at any cost. Nothing must rouse yeah. him before tea time. <laughs> I'll write a letter. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The wing yes. Fine. It must it must be sent and he'll he'll get it in three days time. Uh. Yeah. Uh, I wish the ghosts had more um like appearance time. They 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 appeared a few times, they were deeply unsettling and then it really did because it's narrated specific in, in uh first person the governess takes the the time to assure the reader that she's like she's scared um but mm. she like uh taps into reserves and she's like i for the children and for everything else i will stand up to these ghosts and um she's like any other time i had it been another me or you know uh, last week i would have been petrified and i would run away and she's like i but i'm in charge of these kids now and i'll just stand here and stare down the ghosts which she does on occasion so it it, it gives her like it's it's like with danny where there's a a lot of strength to her character like internal fortitude uh, mm -hmm. 
even though it, 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 regardless of it like being a horrible situation she's just going to step up to the plate and take care of it uh, or try to um and sometimes she needs help and she's like self-conscious and or conscious of herself enough to know that like when she needs help she's going to try to get it and then solve everything at like the lowest level like we can't involve the lord we have to kind of get stuff like done here um, and then after everything's finished we can tell him that maybe something happened but it doesn't matter it's done <laughs> so i think it, it's definitely worth um the read uh and then the version that i um read was narrated um it was emma thompson uh, doing the narration so it was it was really well done and her her <laughs> her voice for performing as um miles or flora is like <laughs> it makes them frightening because it's it's like the it's the slightly higher pitched lady's voice but being like a wispy young lad it's it's like you <laughs> made him like way creepier just because you're doing this voice <laughs> So it was it was um, good. I was hoping for a little bit more ghost action, but there's it's very light on the ghosts. Um, aside from their uh, the effects that the ghost like so the ghosts themselves aren't like the star of it, but what they bring, like what they portent and what the effect of them is, is, is far stronger than just their appearance. Oh, okay. Mm. So I think that that's kind of what's happening even in the in the show. Like we see the ghosts, but they're not um, they're not overtly threatening, aside no. from maybe Peter Quint. But like, he's he's on the other side of a like a wall. Yeah. So so they're not immediately physically threatening, but the idea of them is 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 more threatening. Like it poses more of a threat than like what they actually do. It's the same thing with um uh. Not, oh, um, what Edmund? So mm -hmm. Edmund isn't physically like yes, he's like super tall, but um, he's not physically ever threatening her. He's the the specter of what she's done. Mm -hmm. So it's 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 her own self like being more of a threat to her than anything that he would ever do. Right. I mean, the only thing he's ever done is like put a hand on her, and it was never. It's not like the Peter Quint hand. Yeah, he's not restraining her. He's just like, if he's restraining her, it's the it's that um, that overbearing love that she feels guilty of being on the receiving end of because she's not returning the same kind of love to him. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's it's that horrible like it's not it's not you it's me but <laughs> it, that you know that never works well and their situation was going to be poor however it you know turned out yeah, well yeah <laughs> it just it just ended up turning out in the poorest it, way and, and, yeah it's in the worst way it possibly mm. could have um, but yeah so the the ghosts um, in as much as we've seen them so far aren't directly threatening aside from they're potentially possessing two children for whatever ends um they, they may be going for right yeah so for um, now that is the turn of the screw uh and then uh, in three episodes or so we'll we'll finish that up and 
compare like how that ends, which is very specific to uh, what the blind manor does. Yes, cool. um, I, I'm I'm gl- I, I'm glad that this is a. Uh, I feel like this would pro- that, that that a direct adaptation of that would probably be um, difficult to do and probably not as interesting as what they've they've been doing uh, with Bly Manor, um, uh, which I and that's not to to, to disparage the um, uh, original work all. Um, I think it's yes. doing it's doing something different. Like its commentary yes. is not what the show is doing, and that's good. Uh, that that's a nice yeah. adaptation because you're taking like the idea of something and then you're building on it. So we're getting not necessarily a better thing, but something different. Um, and as far as my thoughts on the way it came, just to get just to get those out, that, those out of the way real quick, um, it's good. It's a good episode. It gives you all the backstory that you actually need on Danny. You it, like that? It it is. It checks off that mystery. Now we know what that ghost is. Now we know what Danny's backstory is. Now we know what her deal is completely and and now um you know moving forward that may or may not impact uh the rest of the narrative but now we we have firmly established who Danny is and uh that is um really really important <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's a it's a real good episode yeah Farm agree uh all right well Next time, uh, we will be covering episodes five and six of Haunting of Fly Manor. Oh, good lord. Presumably. Um, we hope that you've enjoyed the show. Uh, and where can we find people on the internet? Uh, Leonard, where are you hanging around these days? Uh, yes, people can find me on twitter.com uh, by searching at Dr. Faust is Dead. People can also find my video work on YouTube by also searching Dr. Faust is Dead. Uh, And I am very much looking forward uh, to the the death of this year. Um, Everyone everyone join me with with, uh, bats as we we bludgeon the old man that is 2020 to death. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and unceremoniously kick him off a cliff uh, at the end of this month. Um, I, I I think that that is a sentiment that we can all agree with. Uh, Dave, where can people find you <laughs> online? Well, they can, oh, I... on... <laughs> they can find me on Twitter at sentient underscore plus. It will be in the notes. And I think the personification for this year isn't an old man but a, uh, a young lady who's dating the devil, as if, if oh, the yes. uh, commercials are being uh, leading us to believe correctly. Fair. <laughs> yeah, but um, it's, it's less okay for me to say, let's beat this young lady to Yeah, death that's fair. We probably shouldn't be beating anyone to death, but um, the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the year can go sawed off. Yeah, <laughs> the, you're very polite as always. Um, 
You can also find me on Twitter at night underscore Twitten. That's night without a K. Uh, where I post about how awful the end of the year is and how my body is failing because of it. Because the end of the year stress always kills me. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Um, you can also find the podcast on Twitter, keeping up with what's coming up on episodes and when episodes have come out. Dave, what's the podcast Twitter handle? At mon underscore D monster believe mm-hmm. and the podcast back episodes um and everything else can be found online at um monster deer dot monster wonderful i hope you've all enjoyed this evening's show and we shall see you on the next episode bye bye everyone bye folks bye